Welcome to Crosslink Community Church Podcast, where we prize Jesus, make disciples, and love people well. We are so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe you will be more acquainted with the heartbeat of God through today's message. Good morning. So three of you, it's good to have you here. The rest of you, there's coffee in the back. Um, it is it is good to be here with you all. Uh, I I am uh, excited about this morning. I'm excited about doing uh, ministry with with Ryan. Um, every time we have an opportunity to do that, I, I'm excited. Um, for those of you who do not know, uh, my wife and I were the youth pastors in uh, Florida for a church called Mortal Life Ministries for um, four years, and uh, it was a time in life. And and you may get this uh, where um, you might have been hurt by church. And in churches or people in church, whatever it may be. Um, and when, uh, when we went to, uh, Florida, um, it was a culture shock for my wife cause she's from the Midwest. And I, I took her to Okeechobee, Florida, um, which is not on any postcard. Uh, in fact, so in fact, if, if you see, uh, uh, postcards, just like palm trees and ocean, uh, Okeechobee is, uh, pastures, palm trees and cows. Uh, and so we went there, um, but God knew exactly what he was doing because, um, the healing that we found being a part of the church, uh, in Florida, uh, changed the trajectory of our life forevermore, forevermore. Like, like, um, uh, our love and passion for Jesus and for his bride, the church, um, is, is strengthened and motivated by our experience with, with uh, that church in, in Florida. So while we, while we were the uh, youth pastors there, um, we had the opportunity to, uh, uh, love on some teens that, um, I've, and I've said this before and I've shared this before that, um, just fell in love with Jesus. Um, we'd come to a room like this and have a U-shaped circle and a, a little MP3 player because we didn't have iPods yet. And, uh, and I would play a worship song from there. And playing it from that MP3 was enough to move those in the room to worship. And to see teenage boys, specifically teenage boys, because historically in churches, women connect faster than, than men do, especially in youth group. Uh, but it was something to see 15 teenage boys fall on the ground, just crying out, praying to Jesus. Like it's unreal. I experienced it then. And to be honest with you, uh, unless we take a bunch of teens to camp and we get away from everything here and we, we go there, that's the only time I've ever experienced after that is when we get to do these youth camps. But it's amazing to me to see teenagers love Jesus. And it's, it's become a rarity anymore. Yes. But we didn't just love Jesus. We also broke things. Um, Ryan, I got to share a story, right? That's, it's okay. Cause, uh, he's not in front of a mic now, so I can do it. Uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan was the guy who would always come to our house. Like we had an open door policy doors open, come anytime. It's okay. So, so him and a couple others came all the time. And it was great. Except for it freaked my wife out a little bit because he's one of those kids that's a little bit adventurous. Uh, and, and he would literally be on our roof doing backflips off our roof. Right. And my wife's like, listen, you can't come over here and get hurt. We don't know what we're going to do. Your parents are going to kill us. And so we had that conversation, but literally out of the blue, they would be there living at our house, doing all kinds of crazy things. But there was this one time 
where we did this retreat or this overnight stay. And I, I think I've shared this before, but it's too good not, not to share it. Uh, and so we were there. We had a bunch of teenagers. We were having this uh, overnighter at a, a church that wasn't our church. We were using their space, and uh, and we were having a good time. And and I had these like like these M80 firecrackers. And as a responsible adult chaperone, I was. Um, we we were like, hey, I wonder. I wonder what these will do if you put them in a toilet. <laughs> so we were there and we took this. I, I honestly thought, I don't know what I was thinking. I honestly thought it would put in and the water would put out the spark and nothing would happen. That's not what happens. I want to let you know, you don't need to experience. You don't even need to try. I'm going to tell you what happens. Here's what happens. You put it in, it goes, and the whole side of the porcelain tank just goes out and there's water absolutely everywhere. We blew this toilet up, literally blew it up, right? Like with a firecracker. It was, it was amazing. But then... Then I realized the, the responsibility side of me realized, oh, crap, right? Like, uh, this isn't our toilet. We, we got to fix it. So we had to, uh, we, <laughs> okay, so when they got the receipts from my church, like, why'd you buy a toilet? Well, you see, something went wrong with the other one. Don't worry, we fixed it. It's good to go. We'll see how long it lasts. But uh, I, I'll cherish forevermore. All those memories and those times with, um, man, that group of kids who changed our lives forever. And ironically, um, when we started this series that we're in right now, the scripture we're going to be at wasn't on the original list. I have a list. I'm veering from the list because I think it's fitting for today. I think it's fitting for how we're going to conclude the message. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I want to get us... To to expose the negligence of how people approach scripture, um, but to expose or reveal the beauties that are found when we choose to go deeper than surface level, when we choose to use the Bible as connecting with the heartbeat of God and not just simple incantations to get him to bend our way. And, and I think there are deeper realities that you and I can, can see. Uh, and and uh, with, with that, uh, we, we may not agree. This is a possibility. And so my end game, anytime I do a message from here, is for you to leave either frustrated with me, so you go deeper into things of Christ, or some way agreeing with me so that you can continue to go deeper in Christ. But the whole goal of us gathering together as a family is to sharpen each other to go deeper into who Jesus is. So that when you go home, you will make Jesus more precious in the lives of your family than anything else. Uh, I shared this in um, the linked up class this morning. Uh, Since Ryan's been here, um, it's been amazing to be able to just put life on pause for a moment. And him and I, our our house is a wreck because of renovations. So we kind of just went places and hung out. And all we did is talk about Jesus, the love that we have for Jesus, how crazy the culture has gone away from Jesus. How do we make sense of all that's going on? Like just, this is what we did. And it is so refreshing to sit down with men who are like, you know, sports are secondary. Uh, um, uh, fishing is secondary. All these other things that capture our attention are secondary. We just, we just literally for how, however many hours just talk about Jesus. And it was so, 
So refreshing. Because if we're going to change our families, if we're going to change our community, if we're going to change this culture, we must truly be in love with Jesus. That's what it takes. You, you, you want to know what it's going to take is that you, you and I need to put Jesus and our love for Jesus above every, everything else. Everything else. So what we have here uh, this morning is more... Um, like if there's a, there's definitely a targeted audience. And so I want, I want to address that first. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Proverbs 22. We're going to use a popular passage that ha- people have heard over and over again and deal with it. Uh, and this passage, uh, specifically the targeted audience is going to be for parents. Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay. So, so it's a good portion in here. Uh, you're like, I'm a retired parent. You're still a parent. They come back around. Either way, um, here's what I do want to say. Before we dive into this, those of you who uh, are not parents and you're like, man, this text doesn't have anything to deal with me. Here's here's what I would say. It seems like in my pursuit of scriptures and the Bible, that for those who do not have kids, do not have children, that the Bible almost mandates, if I could use a strong word, for you to find spiritual children. So I'm going to just give one example real quick. Paul. Paul, who wrote uh, three quarters of the New Testament, did, did not have his own children. His first love was the Lord, and he pursued the Lord and was on mission. However, he took under his wing someone like Timothy, who became his child, his spiritual child, to pour into, to love, to encourage uh, Timothy's. Because as you grow and as you work and navigate through life, you're going to gain wisdom and understanding that needs to be taught because books can't teach everything life has to offer. And so your living will be an outpouring for someone else. And so, so that's, that's where we're landing. So as we walk through this, all of us in this room are now included because there should be someone in our lives that we are treating as a child that we are pouring uh, into. Make sense? Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Our culture, our culture is energized by, infatuated with, and idolizes youthfulness. We are consumed with the desires of being young. So, so much so that what runs the undercurrent of our culture are things like TikTok and social media, and they have become the preachers and teachers of our day. The theologians of our day have become TikTokers. It's a problem. We're obsessed with things that make us feel like we're keeping up with the world. We're obsessed with feeling young. And I didn't do the research because I'm going to let you do some on your own. Just investigate how often people want to do whatever it takes to feel young again. Right? There was a group of us that played basketball for the first time in months, two days ago. And my body's screaming. Right? While we were playing, I, I thought the ball was going to do what I thought I told it to do. And I realized my body just doesn't move that way anymore. Some of you have experienced that on higher levels. I went to bed Friday night, woke up the next morning with my elbow hurting. Hurting. Like I got tennis elbow from sleeping. That's how bad it gets. You're like, Jimmy, you're young, 39. I understand. I feel your pain. I can only imagine this can be magnified. But, but either way, we're obsessed with being young. Anything. 
Men, fathers, will vicariously live through their sons and daughters through sports. They will pour them into sports. They say, sports become gods and priority. That's what you live for. That's what you live through. Like That's what it is for the time being. And we justify it in our own minds as a way to keep your children engaged in something they like. I don't want to rob them of any opportunities. And so what happens is the fathers live vicariously through their own children in sports. Mothers, women live vicariously through their children, specifically their daughters in all things glamour, fashion, and relationships. It's intriguing to me, and this is new territory, but it's intriguing to me on how often moms insert themselves in the daughter-boyfriend relationships. It's interesting. It's almost like whatever it takes, I want to feel young again. Whatever it takes. And so you have this. Now, there's obviously anomalies, but this is what we do. Um, And I think the reason is, in fact, Isaiah, which I don't have time to go there, would tell you that one of the red flags of a faltering, failing kingdom or culture, one of them is the idolizing of youthfulness. And where are we at today? Here's our verse. You ready? (laughs) Okay, good. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up your child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Raise your hand if you heard that. Interesting, right? It's familiar to all of us in this room. We've heard it over and over again. And it's usually used in the context of um, like you have a wayward child, you're in a small group, you're talking about it. Well, don't worry. You train them right in the ways of when they were a, a child. So just trust in that they will return back to or, or come back to the Lord later on in life. Or, or you use it as in yeah, they clearly didn't train them right when they were young, right? Like either way, like that's how it's used. And so what happens is we make this some kind of incantation, some kind of, uh, all right, God, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to train them in the way they should go. And ironically, when I remembered this passage, how it was, I believe, told to me is train up the child in the way. then God is going to, he's entitled to follow through on this end. And I don't think that that's how this works, but I do have hope at the end. (laughs) Here's what I need to do. Um, Proverbs, let's talk about Proverbs for a second. Um, Proverbs uh, are wisdom literature, not promises or incantations. Not if I say this over and over again, it will then come to fruition. It's also not promises. It's not promising you that this is how it's going to play out. You can do this, this, and this, and it not equal this. Although it says in Proverbs it does equal that, but it's not. But in his life it did. Like, this happens. It is wisdom literature. It's not essentially promises. Uh, Number two, a proverb describes what is typically true, not what is universally true. Um, uh, Proverbs are not conditional promises. They are maxims or wise sayings. They describe a general sense, 
um, the way God has made the world run. But they're not conditional statements. That if you do this, then God will give you this. It's not what's going on in any Proverbs. Number, number five, Proverbs are always two, as every passage in Scripture, Proverbs are to point to Jesus. Not to find wisdom within ourselves, but following Proverbs as a list of do's and don'ts. It's not the purpose. The purpose in Proverbs is to realize it says this. This is how life should go. I'm not going that way. I fail at that over and over again. But there is one who lived out perfect wisdom, and his name is Jesus. So Proverbs are to point us to Jesus. Um, Lastly, uh, that the Hebrew language is so beautiful, so expansive, that sometimes it is difficult to accurately translate it into English. Um, that, that it's so, it's like, it's like an onion that you're constantly peeling back. And here's what's interesting to me as a pastor. Um, my longing and desire throughout the week is to try to, know God's words at a deeper and deeper level to allow them to unfold the mysteries that are in my life. That's, that's my goal. And oftentimes, um, and, and, and you just, you just take a personal inventory for a moment. How, how long, like, like how many hours did you spend this week allowing the scriptures to unfold in your life? Like most of us in this room, let's, let's be honest, you're, you're busy. It's, it's, not, it's not a dig. It's the fact that either one, we're too busy, or two, we don't understand it. And so you read through a book of Proverbs, and you're wondering, like, there's some parts I understand, there's some parts I don't. It doesn't seem like this is playing out the way it should. And so all of this starts to unfold. And, and the, the beauty of God's words is that um, they constantly speak to you where you're at. We just don't settle down to listen. We're moving constantly. And so my goal is for us to settle down this morning. And I'm not, I'm not going to take long because I gave Ryan an extra song at the beginning to eat up my, my time because he was here from Florida. Um, but we are going to end differently. And so just bear with me for a few moments as I, as I work through this um, because I think, I think it's been misunderstood. So with all that said, we're going to approach this one. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, what's interesting here in the context, remember our purpose is to go in context, is that it seems like the ver- some of the verses before and after it are more about warnings than they are promises. Yet we take this one as a promise. So let me just give you two. Verse 5, thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Verse 7, the rich rulers over the poor, or the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave of the lender. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and a rod of fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Drive out a scoffer and strife uh, will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is 
his gracious will have the king as his friend. It's almost like there are parts to these Proverbs that are warning. Like you, you need to look at this. Be careful if you are doing these things. And yet this number six, we just kind of pull out of there as this promise that as long as I am faithful to train my child in the ways he should go, then he will not depart from it even when he is old. But I'm going to tell you something that may, may worry you for a moment. This is actually not the best translation from the Hebrew. Because most Hebrew scholars would tell you this isn't a promise, but a warning. So I'm going to give you, and then we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you what it says from the Hebrew, just the best definition that I can give you. If you want it, here it goes. Ready? Training up a child according to his way, and he will not depart from it when he is old. We have translated it as train up a child the way he should go. But the phrase in Hebrew, actually, and if you, if you do any Bible searches online and you, you go to uh, like the Bible hub, pulls up a scripture, there'll be like this little footnote. You put it over the footnote. And even when they have it translated this way, what ends up happening, that footnote will pull up and it'll say in his way or according to his way. So what's going on here, which is somewhat terrifying, is if we as parents allow children or train our children to determine the way they should go, then they will not depart from it even when they are old. Now, the reason why that's scary is because that's where our culture is. Allowing children to determine their belief system and direction. Now, before we get into that, I'm going to do one, one more thing because uh, we see train up your child, train up a child in the way uh, he should go. Uh, we see child and think little kids. Let me give you behind this word uh, is actually uh, adolescence. As you know, in the Hebrew culture, uh, you obeyed your parents until approximately around 30. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, 27 year old. Yes, mom. Whatever you say, mom, like, like from, from adolescence to 30 from, uh, and the actual connotation is, is really a young male or an unmarried male that in the Hebrew culture, in a community, in a tribal community that lived so interconnected together, what's happening here is if you let an adolescent dictate or determine its direction or his direction, her direction, he will not depart from it when he is even old. Uh, It's scary. Let me just speak as a pastor for a moment. I do counseling, premarital counseling, and oftentimes people disappear from church. They go off the radar for a little bit in their younger years. And then when they have a child, when they have kids, they're like, oh, I need to get my kids back in church. I've literally, I've had this count, countless conversations. I need to get my kids in church. And, and, and my, my mental response, which is not always my response is you should probably be there too. Like it, it should be there for you as well, but either way we'll, we'll take it. Come, come bring, bring uh, your kids because in the mindset of a parent, like I need to get my kids into something positive. But then here's what happens. I'm going to speak from a youth pastor perspective. 
We'd have parents who decided at age 16, uh, when their child turns 16, that they can now decide whether they are going to go to church or not. It's like, I have an old 98 Camaro that my 15-year-old, who's going to be 15-year-old son, says when he turns 16, he gets to drive it. No, sir. Mm, no, no, sir. Uh, anyways, uh, because that, that's what happens. Like, there, there is a, a certain level at which I don't, I don't think you're ready for the weight of the responsibility with the freedom you're requesting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to allow. In, in our home, as we press towards Jesus, my desire and longing and parenting is to make Jesus look beautiful so that my kids will choose Jesus. And at age 16, they decide, I don't want Jesus. I'll be like, in this household, it's not an option. This is the construct. This is the framework. This is what it's about. If you don't love Jesus, what can we do to speak more of Jesus into you, not push you away from him? Listen to me. If you train your child in the way he thinks he should go, it could end badly later. Mm, that's a tough amen, right? Because we, we prefer the familiar translation, just train up your child in the way he should go and he will not depart even when he's old. And I'm here to tell you that God put a lot of responsibility on those who are parents. And it doesn't end at age 8. It doesn't end at age 12. It doesn't end at age 16. It doesn't end at age 18. It doesn't end at age 20. In fact, some of you are like, man, it has not ended and they're 42. Like, what is going on here? It doesn't end. Like, our purpose as parents is to pour into the hearts of our children the beautiful realities of Jesus and to not let them dictate their own direction. Now, that may sound harsh in 2022. I get it. So let me read you a couple harsher statements. In the Jewish tradition, this is, this is the Jewish tradition behind this text, says this, if you train up your child according to his evil inclinations, he will continue in his evil way throughout life. Right? Um, this one, this uh, theologian said it this way, if you let a boy or a girl do what he wants, he will grow up to be self-willed adult incapable of change. Now, when I say it that way, anyone know any self-willed adults incapable of change? You, you might know some. We all know that kid that got everything they wanted, right? Do you have one of those growing up in school? Like they got everything? How do they turn out? You can say it, it's okay. Spoiled? Like Entitled? The church is feeling the weight of what happened in church 30 years ago. That parents got a little bit more hands off with building out a biblical framework and point of view in the lives of their children so that when then they go to college, they're like, ah, this doesn't work with what I think it should be. And they pull away. And now we're feeling the weight of that. We're feeling the weight of it. I see it. Our youth culture is crying out. And what we are doing is becoming more hands-off and allowing social media to be the preachers and teachers in their world. Now, I'm, I'm not 
against it, social media. But I'm saying as children who are in our own household, I, th- I think I think we have a mandate as parents to not allow them to go in the direction the world is trying to pull them in. Say, no, I know you think that's where you find beauty. It's not. I know that's where you think you find identity. It's, it's not o- over here. And so, so here's what I want to do. If you would turn to Deuteronomy chapter six, real quick. I got two passages and then I, I will, I will conclude. Um, I want you to see uh, from the beginning how important this was uh, to the Lord. And, and as you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, I just want to let you know the framework of Deuteronomy is that they are about to enter into the promised land. This community, this group of people who have been wandering uh, are about to enter into the land that was promised to them. Been wandering for 40 years. But they're going to enter into a land where the, the morals are ever-shifting, the standards are ever-changing, and they're going to enter into a land where um, the God that Israel served was not the God that they served, and so they're going to go in there and see things and hear things that don't fit the God's description of the, or the God of the Bible's description. And so as Moses is giving his last speech to those who are going to take this land, he's going to encourage them with some very important things of what to do. And this is one of those in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll start in, let's do uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Right? So, so first thing he does is listen. You, you're you're going to go into this land. When you go into this land, you wanna, you, you're going to be challenged with that the Lord you serve is not God alone. You're going to be challenged with that the Lord our God is not the one alone, all supreme, sovereign Lord of all. Like you're going to be challenged with that. So you need to know this, know this, put this in your heart that the Lord our God, the Lord is one and you should love him with everything you have. Because when you walk into the promised land, there's going to be other things that are going to be vying for your attention. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. All right, so so that was the beginning part. Look at verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Some some say press diligence, press into your children. Some translations are, are very... Uh, a little different by intentionally put this into your children, but right here, teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them, ready? When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them 
as a sign on your hand. They shall be on the front let's, of, uh, between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and your gates. But I don't know if you saw this. Teach them to your children when you sit in your house, when you're walking around, when you come, when you rise, when you go. How often do you teach them with your children? All the time. Listen, I think, I think this will put us on maybe the same playing field. My wife and I go to bed every night feeling like failures as parents. Blew up, messed up. Like this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. God, you gave us kids that are defective. <laughs> My parenting is great, right? Like you just, no, we, go, we go to bed feeling like failures. Over and over again, man. I, and we and we love Jesus, love the Lord, want our kids to love. But still, in in the uh, kind of trenches of life, man, we man, we just feel like we're failing. And I'll say this: that there is nothing that has revealed to me how much of God's grace I need than parenting and marriage. Over and over again, I need more of your grace, God, because I failed it again. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning, but I've, I've failed again. Because listen to me, when you walk into a culture that is completely countercultural of this community, when they walked in, they were going to be challenged to every degree. And so Moses is like, listen, here's the only, here, here's the only thing that's going to help you survive. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Keep him as one. And never stop talking about him to your children. Don't stop. That should be the loudest thing. That should be the most important thing. That should be number one. How, how Jesus is important. Like it's what it says here. And then what ends up happening is that they go into this new culture and they are drastically pulled apart. Um, I'll just say it this way as Ryan works his way up here. Uh, Our culture is devouring our kids. Uh, at the same time, godly men and women are devaluing the importance of church. I don't know if it's connected, but I think we need to insert ourselves, if I may, insert ourselves back into the position of I can't, while you're in my care, while you're in my family, I, I can't allow you to dictate and determine the direction you want to go because you need to know we serve the God of the Bible. This is where it lands. And, and here's what's crazy. No matter how much you diligently teach that in your family, from age 10 to 15 to 18, and then they finally leave, no matter, you could have been the perfect quintessential family that did it right. The salvation of our children is still up to the Lord. And that's when it's difficult. Anyone have a wayward kid? You don't need to raise your hand in case they're in here. Anyone struggle with the decisions your children have made as they continue to move forward? Anyone shed maybe some tears at night wondering, God, please rescue my child. Listen, no matter if we do it right, we're not promised that God is going to do it this way. That's what we want. If we do it right, we do it right because God asked us to. 
And then we trust and depend and have faith in that he will move in their hearts because the only one who can save your children, my children, is Jesus. And it's my job, and I've said this before, it's our job as parents to bring as much kindling around our children. That is, so it's, listen, that, that's my morning alarm. It just like makes me angry. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Anyways, normally it doesn't distract me, but that one, I want to hit snooze right away, like punch it. Anyways, <laughs> as parents, our job is to bring kindling around our children and step back and pray, God, please set it afire. Please set it afire. Oh, you need more sticks? Okay. Oh, more? Okay. Like, that's our job? God, please set it afire. God, please set it afire. But it always begins with the ones that God entrusted those hearts with. And we need to man and woman up and diligently teach these things to our children. Let me, I'm going to end with this passage. The rest of the team's going to come forward because we're going to do another song with, with the band. Um, but, but in Malachi, in Malachi, this is what it says. Let, let me get there. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a promise um, of Jesus coming, and, and I want you to see it. In Malachi chapter 4, um, starting in verse 5, says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet. Now, now Malachi, after, after this is stated, God goes quiet for 400 years. Okay, he goes quiet for 400 years. No prophets, nothing. God goes quiet. Um, and he's talking about sending Elijah, which we know to be uh, Elijah later is going to be John the Baptist. So God sends John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. All right? So he's talking about when he's going to send John the Baptist and when Jesus shows up on the scene. All right, this is a prophecy of Jesus coming, but he goes silent for 400 years. God breaks his silence when he talks to Zechariah in uh, the temple. And then he breaks his silence when Jesus Christ was born and he cried. But for 400 years, he was silent. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Verse six. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. We need that. We need fathers' hearts to be a bit more malleable towards their children. Their hearts are tied to so many other things, but it seems like when Jesus was going to show up on the scene, what he was going to do in this very moment was going to turn the fathers' hearts to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That should be our prayer. This was promised for when Jesus came. He came. And so what that provides you and I is that no matter if you messed up royally on the front end, Proverbs 22, 6, man, you, you did the wrong way. You let your child dictate whatever and you mess up royally and you confess that and you admit that now, like, like that happened. Or you did everything right and they still went wayward. The good news is, is that God, through Jesus Christ, still has the ability to intervene in the hearts of children, no matter how far they run. 
And it's good news that the Bible isn't just full of conditional statements. Because if that was the case, it would be conditioned on you and I and our abilities. But the Bible is full of words to reveal the heart of Jesus. So that when we, weep, when we are weak, when we fail, when we parent poorly, we can lean in on him and say, Jesus, can you go before me and rescue my son? Can you save my daughter? Can you chase the one who's been running? Can you forgive me as a failing, faulting father who seems to get more angry than happy? Man, can you forgive this heart for being so busy that it's not as intentional and engaging in the hearts of my children? Father, can you turn the hearts of men back to their children? and the hearts of their children back to their fathers. Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening.